browsing through Facebook, I saw somebody uh, that I went to college with and he posted about uh, that he liked Tens reissue. And as the resident Pearl Jam fan of my non-Pearl Jam fan friends on Facebook, I, I was compelled to respond and we keep going at a conversation and he said, I, I haven't listened to any Pearl Jam past Vitalogy. Now, this has been said throughout the history of Pearl Jam that a lot of people gave up during No Code. And my take on it is No Code is good music as it is, and I just don't understand why they would. Why? Because the grunge scene had changed. They evolved as musicians, but the music was still amazing. I don't understand why they went a different route. Yeah. I mean, to me, I think, well... No Code is my favorite Pearl Jam album, hands down. So I, I have a hard time when people say they don't like it as well. It's perplexing to me. Um, but I think a lot of that I get um, is from, it was a change in tone for them. So they got away from the, the hard driving, you know, even on Vitology, you have really hard songs that the, you know, the, the weightlifters and like, I hate to call them meatheads, but, you know, those guys um, that can, you know, turned on the Pearl Jam album to get the the drive to, you know, PR or whatever, you lost that with no code. Like, you couldn't do that with Mankind, right? Like, <laughs> I'm open. Yeah, I'm open. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm so, getting these reps in. I'm open. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they like they lost that, that part of the fan base. Um, uh, and, and, like, it just didn't, for a lot of people, it didn't fill back in. Matt, your thoughts? Uh, first of all, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm Open is my favorite song to uh, crush some sets <laughs> to. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, I think people that like the earlier albums also like singles, which Pearl Jam kind of got away from. And although we like singles and we like all their singles, and or most of them, and we see that there are singles on these albums, I guess they weren't quote-unquote uh, radio-friendly singles, or they just weren't on the radio, or they had gotten away from doing music videos for a while, whatever it may be. Maybe people weren't just hearing them day-to-day, -day, aside from the Alives, the Even Flows, that kind of stuff. Even Black was played constantly here on Long Island on some of the rock channels. You'd hear that twice, three times a day. So I think we could agree that some of their singles that came out after those first three albums might even be better singles than those old ones, catchier, uh, faster, harder, whatever it may be, but people weren't hearing them all the time. So, you know, they might just go to what they're used to, the sound that they're used to. Pearl Jam definitely comes back to that sound a lot, but they go on and off because No Code was, uh, or I should say Vitology was kind of that segue into No Code. Um, Music-wise, uh, the way they changed how they recorded, the way they changed how they sounded, and I guess people started to notice that with Vitology. I sure did. I noticed a, a, a strange twist where I didn't like that album for a long time. And now I really appreciate the kind of uh, offness of Vitology. And of course, I love No Code now. Well, it's, it's funny because that same person I talked to who said he listened to No Code after I told him, uh, he said it was like meeting a friend for the first time and being like, okay, I'm just starting to get to know you. And then kind of after a while realizing, okay, they're a good person. And then maybe you go on a trip or go to a ball game with them and they're like, Oh man, you're, you're my buddy. You're my pal. So I just said present tense and off he goes. And, uh, I think you'll be good. 
So I think that's a good way to put that. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, I hate to say it, but that's going to be the last time we talk about no code today because today's <laughs> show, they played zero no code songs. So uh, let's get to it. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring. This is Stone Gossip. Fucking camera in the truck. And welcome to Live on Four Legs Podcast, or shall I say today, it's the Live on Six Legs Podcast, featuring Stephen Maytan. Stephen Maytan, oh my goodness, <laughs> he's finally here. All the way from Berlin, Stephen Maytan. <laughs> <laughs> All the way from West Hartford, Connecticut, 20 minute drive to get there. Um, we've mentioned Steve a bunch of times uh, in the first couple episodes, and now we grace him with uh, your presence, and uh, I'm sure you were very confused during the intro. Who is this non-Matt and Randy voice? <laughs> I, I do not like change, dang it. Um, so here's Steven. Steve, your first yeah. show. How do you feel? Yeah, Matt, I'm so excited. I have been looking forward to this uh, since you told me that you were going to be doing a podcast. You mentioned it on our way to the Boston show, and um, I... I as soon as you mentioned it, I secretly in the back of my mind said, God, I hope they have me on as a guest, but <laughs> didn't want to, uh, you know, be that guy to like, Hey, Hey, you should have me on. And, uh, later that day, you said that you did want to have me on and I was very stoked and I've been looking forward to it since. So uh, I'm really excited to be here. I mean, you're Matt's brother. Why wouldn't we, you know, and, and like we live 20 minutes away. Not only well, that, Matt. but you're kind of the reason why we both sort of got into Pearl Jam. I, I, I figured you thought you were a given to be a recurring character right. on, the, on the podcast. <laughs> Very nice, very I, nice. I, you know, this is the way I'm going to put it. He's our Pearl Jam sensei. Because <laughs> yes. everything that we've learned up until this point has been because of Steve. Uh, Steve and I went to PJ20 together, and that was a learning experience in itself. I, I thought that I was one hell of a Pearl Jam fan going to my sixth and seventh show, and it turns <laughs> out that I learned so much from that weekend, and uh how to hate jeremy i'm sure we'll we'll get to that point <laughs> steve's bathroom break song yeah, absolutely <laughs> but uh yeah we'll get to pj20 and all that fun stuff at some point but uh today we're gonna do uh 2010 berlin but before we get to that we have some kind of unfinished business with our last show with amsterdam which got a lot of uh good praise from you guys i think it was a it's a show that has a lot of high marks in with the Pearl Jam fans, and the set list is highly regarded as one of the best of all time, especially that 
it was a fan-made set list. I think that's kind of the the glimmer of the luster on it is that Brian created that set, which is just amazing that people consider it that good. Um, but a lot of people love the show, and a lot of a lot more people that attended have uh, gotten in touch with us. So we here's some news and notes from Amsterdam that we kind of left off. Uh, so some tracks from the original set were left off, including Hitchhiker which the only time it was ever played was earlier that tour in England. So, and that's still to this day, the only time they've ever played the song. They, it was supposed to be middle of the set around the same time as glorified G something like that. They did not do hitchhiker. And in the second encore, they were supposed to start within my tree and go into breath, which, what did I say last week, Matt? I think you said that breath would have been a perfect uh, addition to that area of the set, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah, and look, I'm never going to say get rid of Crown of Thorns, but in addition to it, Breath would have been a really good uh, post-Crown of, uh, Crown of Thorns or opener of the second encore. It, you know, it feels like because Alone was in there and State of Love and Trust was in there, all those songs from that time period, I, I feel like Breath would have been a good option and Steve would have been oh, all wait, for it. That, 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 my favorite Pearl Jam song, probably. Um, that and that to any set, that's going to make it better, in my opinion. <laughs> and uh, Randy, from what I said last week, you know, I I absolutely would have taken that over Crown of Thorns, as I as I mentioned. Yeah. Um, again, I like Crown of Thorns, and I think it was important in that show to have it because uh, Brian was in the Mother Love Bone fan club. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, he got the pass for that one from me for sure. But any other time, <laughs> it need, the problem is it needs Chloe. When they played it in Seattle, they played it without Chloe, and I think it just blends so nicely when they do both of them mm-hmm. together. So, uh, moving on, another uh, news and note: Lily, who we mentioned turned twelve in two thousand and twelve, is the daughter of Chris Cornell. So she's now eighteen years old, and I felt. I'm not a creep. I'm a journalist. I went on her Instagram account when somebody had mentioned that he thought it could be Chris Cornell's daughter. I went and looked for Lily Cornell. Uh, I think Silvers are actually the last name. And went on her Instagram and went to about June because every 18-year-old is going to have a birthday party picture in June. And lo and behold, we have a winner. So that that was your birthday shout-out. Power of the internet right there. Exactly. <laughs> Wash, uh, which they opened with. It was the first time they had played it in Europe since 1996. Hmm. I got from Aurelian, our uh, our fan that went to the show. We told a story last week. He sent me the Deep magazine uh, with Brian's interview, which is a little bit different from the Rolling Stone because it's more of a fan, uh, you know, perspective for Pearl Jam and and more in depth. So. Uh, reading it, he says that there were no yield songs because every song he would have wanted, they played the night before. So I, that's, that's fair. I, I, I think that, I think that's fair for the crowd. I think that's a really nice thing he did. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, I didn't check which ones they played, but like you wouldn't want in hiding two nights in a row. You know? like, <laughs> Maybe we just figured out the reason why there was no uh, even flow. Uh, possibly, or maybe he's just giving a nod to the fans that are like, no, even flow all the time. Who knows? Uh, so he had some rare songs on his list. As you can see, Hitchhiker was in there. Uh, but after talking to Ed, Ed's, and you're going to love this, Matt. This is something you emphasize all the time. 
uh, Ed says that rare songs don't make for good shows. I do agree. I think rare songs make for good shows when they're sporadic and sprinkled about in a tour, but maybe not six or seven of them in one set. Which they usually don't do anyway. No, no, but you know, when you have this kind of opportunity, it's like, I want to hear, you know, I want the first set to be Lost Dogs in its in its entirety. You know, you can't really do something like that. No, they're not going to play. The f- you could, but you shouldn't. Three of those songs they've never even played before. Ever, right. What, well song, like they're going to bring Jack out to play Well Song. Yeah, right. So, uh, another quick point from Brian. He said that his intention in creating the set list was to make the band happy and comfortable, which you said that was one of the things that he could have known guitar changes or something like that, which is really important. Uh, he didn't want them to cut 20 of his 30 choices. So, you know, that that's fair because everything he did, everything he did were all songs that they seemed comfortable playing except for bugs, which they made work. Um, yes. And he had no intentions on making it the greatest set list of all time. Uh, final news and note from Amsterdam is we know who the thank you guy is. Yes, we found, we, well, we didn't find him. We, we're going to find we him. We don't know his name, but we have a lead. He's uh, from South Africa. Um, I know somebody that, I, as, as, as Saul Goodman would say, I know a guy who knows a guy. Right. And um, we'll, we'll see if we can get him on and, and we can thank him ourselves. Maybe we could get him to do like a, a live thank you scream for us that would be amazing <laughs> like an intro just like yeah. thank you thank you so much thank you so much um you want to hear some uh, more stories i got some good stories from that that show sure we can get the emails in if you want okay uh this one's from warren he said that amsterdam night two his wife and uh, my wife and i went to both shows flew in from london on night two, we were wandering aimlessly around the city when we stopped on a street corner because I wanted to check if this guy behind us was following us. Creepy. Then looking down the street, I saw Jeff Ament 15 feet away from the outside of a pancake shop, talking to a couple of lady fans. He was being super nice and approachable, but I didn't want to interrupt him. Plus, I think he had his wife with him. I stood listening to the conversation. He asked them if they were going to tonight's show, and they said no. So I wanted to go and see him, but felt worried to invade his space before we can get a grip. He went in too fast for us to talk to him, but it was cool anyway. Such a treat. When at that show that night, there was about six to ten songs. That was an amazing feeling. Uh, the encore with the release was incredible. Crown of Thorns felt special. The atmosphere was electric. It gets said a lot, but there was a lot of crackling with joy and kind of a wow, what is happening. Then... When they brought Brian out, it all started to make sense. Still in my top three favorite shows. My favorite overall for the trip and beautiful people of Amsterdam. Always tinged with a bit of regret that I was too slow to get courage to go and talk to Jeff. But when we went back in 2014, I got to shout out to Matt on the street. At least that time I got to say hi. Nice. That was a cool story, Warren. Very cool. And we'll, uh, Warren was at this show too, so we'll get to hear from Warren again. Mm, nice. So... And that's a, that's a really good story. Uh, this one's from Joe. Um, he says, because of a business relationship, we got tickets through the band, and I started talking to our seat neighbors. And this really ties into what we're going to be talking about today. And he asked how they were connected to the band. It turns out that they were relatives from the Ross Kilda victims. Mm-hmm. And 
they got to go backstage before the show, but because there, there was a business contract contact, he had to behave himself and not act like a fanboy when Eddie walked by. Uh, we got to eat their catering, which was very yummy, and the show was amazing. Felt communal to take the subway back to the city center with everyone afterwards. Cool. That's, I mean, wow. I, I couldn't imagine sitting next to, well, I, I would just want to give him a big hug and just be like, I'm so sorry. I really hope that, you know, I, they're taking care of you. And, you know, yeah. it's good It's good to know. We, we know that they take care of their fans and they take care of a good part of that base. So happy to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. That would be, I, I don't know how I'd react to somebody said that you know, if, I, if I knew somebody was related to that group at all, much less at a show. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Thank you both Warren and Joe for your stories. And, uh, you know what, let's get to a little news. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it plastered all over our Facebook page, our Twitter account, our Instagram, uh, anywhere else the boards, wherever you can find it, but we have our first merch store up right now. And it is, if you go to lo4loctober.itemorder.com, you'll see that there are a bunch of items there. We have our Halloween shirt. It's a severed hand. Uh, you know, it, you can recognize it by the wedding band. See what I did there? Ah. Um, and it's a seven, severed hand long sleeve shirt and a hoodie. And then we have new State of Love and Trust shirts for Illinois with Cubs colors, because Cubs are in the playoffs, even though, uh, well, the wild card game is either today or tomorrow. Um, so by that, by this time, they could be going further or they could be gone. I think they're playing the Rockies. They play, they play yes, Rockies tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern. Why would they do that? Both teams were just traveling. That was so weird. Who knows? Hmm. Because they, they had the 163. Who cares? This is not a baseball show. <laughs> well, sometimes it is. <laughs> it can be. Sometimes it's baseball. Sometimes it's wrestling. You know, it's a, it's a mixed bag. <laughs> I'm sorry for the wrestling part. I, I really try to keep that to a minimum. <laughs> I think people like it, actually, so it's okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, you know, I'll, uh, I'll add it when I get to add it. Then. Great. Um, what else do we have? We have a ringer shirt, just a live on four legs ringer shirt, and... Uh, a v-neck for for ladies so there are a lot of different items different colors for different items um the store is going to be up until the 15th what what's going on is it's a pre-order sale right now and once the 15th is over we're going to be putting this into production printing shipping we will ship overseas i'm sorry about the international shipping prices it is what it is but i understand if you guys from overseas, you know, look, if you're ever in the States, we're going to hook you up. That's, you know, I, I, it's a lot of money for shipping, but we'll hook you up when we see it. Again, lo4loctober.itemorder.com, and it'll be up until the 15th of October. So Very exciting. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I'm, I'm going to get me, uh, I'm going to get me something. I think I'm going to get the separate hand shirt. I, I'm, I'm definitely getting the severed hand uh, sweatshirt. That's like the perfect Halloween shirt. Um, one of my ultimate favorite songs to see live as well. Um, yeah, 
it's, it's, and, it's a, and it's a really cool shirt. I'm with so. you on that too, Steve. I love the song live. I will be getting the hoodie. Yes, I'm going to pay for it. I'm not taking anything for free. <laughs> uh, and Steve, I don't know if you know, but uh, Mom made a purchase as well. She bought one of the V-necks. Oh, very so, nice. Yeah. Very nice. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> and she's definitely listening. Absolutely. Yeah, she, she listens, yes. I would have to assume, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I told my parents how to download a podcast, and I subscribed so it'll pop up, but I'm sure they'll never <laughs> see tried. it pop up. <laughs> so, yeah, they tried. Um, Matt, you want to mention Patreon real quick? Sure. Live on Four Legs wants to bring you guys the best listening experience. We also want to bring you guys fun stuff to enjoy, like more episodes and merch. So we're looking to raise money through our Patreon page to keep our store up and running. We're going to be adding some amazing merchandise for the listeners and we're also going to be donating a lot of money to charity. We're not asking for a free handout, and we're not taking any profits. For every donation, there will be prizes and incentives, so let's get to those. $40 donation, you'll receive an exclusive Live on Four Legs t-shirt. Those are the t-shirts that we put up in our store and that we feature every month. You'll also get a Live on Four Legs sticker, a shout-out on the show, and the really cool thing, an opportunity to pick an episode. You'll tell us which Pearl Jam show to cover, if it's one you wanted to go to, if it's one you like to listen to, or if it's one that you've been to that holds a special place in your heart. If you donate $20, you'll receive a special gift bundle consisting of merch from the 2018 Home Away shows. This bundle is big time while supplies last. They are going fast, and once we get close to reaching our goal or open up our store, we will mail those out to you guys. That also comes with a Live on Four Legs sticker and a shout-out on the show. If you donate $10, you get a special shout-out on the show along with a Live on Four Legs sticker, a Live on Four Legs print set, and a thank-you letter from Randy and I. If you donate $5, you receive a Live on Four Legs sticker, a thank you letter from Randy and I, and also a shout out on the show. If you donate $1, you'll get a shout out from Randy and I on the show. So go check out our Patreon page, Live on Four Legs, become a patron, do a one-time donation, any little bit helps. Again, it all goes back to you guys, whether it be merchandise or charitable organizations. Cool. Awesome. Uh, Lots of good stuff, and we have... Most of those packages are still left uh, for Patreon and um, no pressure, not asking for much and, you know, as little as possible, as much as possible, whatever you guys do, it's going to be extremely appreciated, extremely helpful. And, you know, we just hope to meet you guys down the line and, and just talk Pearl Jam in person. That's kind of a bonding experience too. So, uh, or we could talk baseball or we could talk wrestling, whatever you guys want. <laughs> Matt, you're ex- the extent of your wrestling vocabulary is Booker T and mankind. Well, so. You know, if, if you want to talk like 1999 to 2003, yeah. I got you covered. <laughs> yeah. as the good old days, the good old days. So you guys going to get this reference as I kind of segue into the show. I got it immediately. You got it immediately. Absolutely. We're on a road movie to Berlin. Can't drive out the way we drove in. <laughs> you picked up on that, right, Matt? Uh, yeah. And that was a beautiful version. I think you guys could be in They Might Be Giants right now. <laughs> like if, if they were looking for who's new... Who's John and who's John? <laughs> <laughs> if they were looking for new Johns, then you're in. Perfect. Uh, so here it is. We're Berlin 2010. This was uh, right dab in the middle of when Backspacer was being toured for. And... Uh, the, that European tour came after 
a U.S. leg, which ended with an amazing MSG show, which Steve sold me his tickets to. Yep. Regretfully, you had yeah. to go to a wedding, right? Yeah. Thanks a lot, Dan Robinson. Appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm going to be like your brother and have you be my wedding. Oh, my God. <laughs> Check the check the ten club site before you book weddings. Seriously, <laughs> I guess I should tell that to my wedding band, right? Got to go by the ten club, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, Pearl Jam or Pearl Jam managers, if you're listening, uh, September, like middle to late September, <laughs> is not going to work this year. <laughs> if you do anything, make that the Australia tour that's being rumored. Because we're not going to Australia, <laughs> so we we need the the United States uh, stadium tour to start in what October November. That would be perfect. For October first would would work out. October second, a year from today. Perfect. Okay, great. Let's would let's work out perfectly. Put it in the books. So, um, so from uh, you were living in uh, Yonkers, was it? Uh, it was in Pelham in Westchester. Okay, um, and uh, yeah, I. I after having sold you that ticket, I was just like, I, I felt like I was having some sort of withdrawals. Like I, 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 miss, I missed the, the MSG show that I did that we did go to uh, was was amazing. Um, but the second night, the night that I missed was definitely the better of the two shows, and uh, I just felt like like I had unfinished business to get to or something like that. So um, I looked into uh, going into one of the, going to one of the Europe shows. Um, uh, the European shows and uh, Berlin just worked out on my schedule with work uh, and that sort of thing. I was actually gainfully employed at the time, unlike now, <laughs> and uh, I, it just worked. It just worked well, so um, I decided to to put in for ten club tickets and got them. And uh, yeah, and it's just headed over for uh, a whirlwind. I think I was there for like sixty hours or something like Jeez, that. Yeah, wow. I, I do. I do remember you were like. There and back. Yeah, yeah. I, and this I, was the only. This was the only show you did it, for the, for this trip. It was the only show that I did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Because you went in 2006 and you went to Paris yeah. and yeah. In Bologna. 2006, I did uh, Paris, Marseille, Bern, and Bologna, um, which was awesome. Uh, and that actually that trip uh, actually gave me the confidence, for lack of a better word, to know that I could do this trip because I always. One of the things that always made me nervous about going to Europe was you know, I don't speak any language, you know, other than English. Right. Yeah. Um, but when when I was in Europe for the '06 shows, um, <laughs> everywhere except Paris, uh, people were super nice uh, <laughs> oh, for me. Not for me not speaking English. Paris was uh, they were a little bit um, uh, less accommodating. Let's try to be politically correct there. Uh, were they just frustrated by that point? Uh, yeah. Well, people I, I like think, you coming to their city. I don't want to get too much on a tangent here, but we had, the the Iraq War had just started. Oh, and, okay. Uh, when they, were, they people in Paris saw Americans, they were just like, "No, freedom toast, no. and freedom prize." Yeah, oh, they were just like, "No, boy. you guys can, you know, shove off." We, we put uh, we put Canadian flags on our bags for the trip, but people, they they saw right through us. They, they, there was no uh, <laughs> there was no confusion. They they knew that we were not uh, uh, Canadian, and and just that the the level of accommodation went went down pretty quickly but everywhere else uh people were, were super friendly and it made it, it made me uh feel like i could go over to berlin by myself and uh you know have a pretty good time which i definitely did and this was in matt and i had talked about this a couple episodes ago when we were uh kind of recapping 2018 this was in the uh the outdoor arena with like the the tents right 
yeah. over the stage. Yeah. So that um, one of the things that made this show just so awesome was the arena that it was in. Um, I actually tried to look it up a little bit before before the show. Um, uh, you know, before today, I mean. And if, if I'm understanding correctly, if I'm reading correctly, uh, the stadium was built in like the I think it was like the 1920s or the 1930s. But if you had told me that uh, it was built like by the Visigoths or something like that, like <laughs> <laughs> like in the like a, like a Roman Colosseum time, like I would I definitely would have had to at least think about it before wow. I you know said no. It was definitely that kind of it's definitely that kind of like open air. Um, uh, you know, the, the seats are built right into the the structure of the stadium. It's just like a big bowl with steps that are seats uh, down into the big, um, uh, you know, open field, which, uh, you know, since it was built in the thirties, it's probably for like soccer or something along those lines. Sure. But if you had told me that gladiators fought there, I'd have been like, maybe <laughs> <laughs> I, I could see it, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and it was just, just a really, really cool place to see a show. Um, the sound was awesome. Uh, and it was just, just like a, a really cool experience. Something that you don't see, uh, here in the states, probably the closest actually is is the Randall's Island uh, wow. stadium. Um, but it, but it just it just felt much much older than that. Um, like you walked right just right onto the field, and then uh, and like when you went out to the, the merch booths and things like that, you were like you were just walking from the field to like you know outside. It was just a, a like. It's just a very different feel than a lot of places, a lot of other places that you see a show. Sure. Well, it can it can make a, a show a, a lot better when you're at a place that has a lot of charm like that. You can yeah. go to uh, you can go to a thousand different MSGs over here, but what makes it charming? It's stuff like that. Right. That's why Wrigley Field. They keep going back yeah. and going it, back. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a hard ticket to get, and there's so many Cubs and Pearl Jam's fans out there that you know it's kind of a a pilgrimage or, you know, uh, and Wrigleyville is, is one of the best places ever. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. I, I mean, we, when we went to Wrigley, both, both times where we went to Chicago, we went to Wrigley for both of us. Uh, we all over the place. Yes. Yeah. We, uh, we had, we had some fun trips. Uh, so why this show? Cause I mean, you've been to 42 shows, uh, and we had talked about, I, you really love the Burn and Bologna shows, I believe you were saying yeah. uh, when we talked last. But why, why this show for today? So this show, because this uh, the the point of this podcast is to talk about the Pearl Jam show experience. Mm-hmm. I don't think this was the best show that I've ever been to. Um, gosh, I mean, Jones Beach was just uh, Nightshade of, of Jones Beach in two thousand was was amazing. Um, there are other shows that. The show itself, the set list itself, uh, was probably better. But the experience of this show, I, I, I can't imagine uh, a, a more Pearl Jam show experience than this one. From the trip over um, to meeting the people at the show uh, to the things, some of the things that we'll talk about, uh, you know, when we get into the actual set list that happened. Um, just the overall experience of the show was uh, something that I think is going to be hard to replicate. And I don't think you could get at a show from a band other than Pearl Jam. Uh, you're not going to get something like this out of, you know, I don't disparage any other bands, but you know, you're not going to get something like it's at a Bon Jovi show. Or right. <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking Dave Matthews. <laughs> there, there you go. Even, even Dave Matthews yeah. who has, you know, they have that, that, that live show, um, you know, aura about them. I just don't think you're going to get something like this. Right. Uh, at, at, at any other band's show. And then um, the other thing for this show is uh, this is the last show, you know, kind of talking about that uh, 
Pearl Jam only experience. This is the last show that I went to that had the full Pearl Jam experience. And what I mean by that is um, this is the last show I went to that had one dedicated opener. Uh, mm. You know, we, we were at P, uh, PJ 20. Um, so there were lots of other bands, yep. you know, playing, of course, yep. it was like a festival that, 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 you know, that weekend, but I don't think I've been to another show where there was just an opener and Pearl Jam. Um, and to me, uh, I, I feel like there's been a little bit of a loss since that has kind of gone away. Like I, yeah. I, I sort of understand why they do it. They maybe get some more time to play and, um, you know, it's more dedicated just to them. But, um, I mean, the, the, uh, uh, Ben Harper and the Relentless Seven opened for them, uh, at this show and man, they were awesome. And they, th- that, that experience just gets you so ready for Pearl Jam that not having it anymore, I think, I think is a kind of a bummer, man. We've, we've talked about that a couple of times just in, we haven't really mentioned it on the show at all. Cause we haven't uh, really ran into that situation yet, but you know, I find myself in this world now where I don't know what's going on in the Indian rock and roll scene because it's, you know, I'll have a, a local radio station on and all kind of sound the same. I won't know the difference between Portugal, the man and Vance joy or something like that. <laughs> right. you know? um, so I, I kind of, the, the last time I saw an opener, I believe it was band of horses, but the one before that was black keys. Mm-hmm. Those were those MSG shows, black keys open up. And I remember at the time, I'm not really into black keys anymore uh, because of, some uh, some shit that they've done in the past that I don't really approve of, which is not I'm not really at liberty to say, but um, you know the story. Uh, so after that, I was like, oh great, um, Black Keys were good. Maybe I should start listening to them more. They got some radio play, and people were talking about them, and then I can say, you know what, I remember them opening up for Pearl Jam. I was there for that. I think My Morning Jacket was another one of those bands that mm-hmm. did that. And, uh, ben Harper and the Relentless Seven too. Yeah. You two, just don't see it anymore. Two of my favorite bands now um, that I've, you know, that I've gone to see uh, multiple times are Ben Harper and Sleater Kinney. And I yeah. don't think I would have. I, I, I definitely don't think I would have listened to Ben Harper without having uh, seen him open for Pearl Jam. And mm-hmm. um, maybe I would have seen Sleater Kinney because you know I kind of that the whole Riot Girl thing. I might have you know might have come across them, but um, I mean. I, I, I definitely came across them years before I would have otherwise, right. um, you know, because I saw them open for Pearl Jam. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like it's, it's a bummer that we don't get that kind of stuff anymore. It's kind of a roll the dice type thing. Cause you know, you say with, with Ben Harper, Slater, Kenny, of course, amazing every time. But then when you go see Pearl Jam and they play with the black keys, black keys are kind of one of those bands. They're good. They're, they're fine live, but they're a band that, they pop up on festivals all the time. They pop up here, pop up there. Same with um, Mars Volta. I mean, Randy, how many times do we see Mars Volta open up for another band? Open up for like System of a Down, open up for Foo Fighters, open oh, up for Chili Peppers. Oh, it's Chili Peppers. peppers. Yeah. And Foo Fighters, like we've seen yeah. them a million times. So, you know, I understand sometimes it's like, well, do I want to see them again or can I catch three and a half hours yeah. of Pearl Jam? I wouldn't be able to pick one or the other. I'd have to be selfish and say, I will take opening bands only if it's these guys, you know, because um, I don't really care to you, see. You don't want Ted Leo. 
and the pharmacist or the pharmacist. I was, I was not. (laughs) Can I, can I just have the pharmacists? (laughs) What kind of prescriptions again? (laughs) I just said, I don't want to disparage other bands. So I was not going to bring them up, but yeah, that was, man, that was a rough, that was a rough couple of shows when they opened. Uh, is is that the exception? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, it's hilarious. <laughs> and I definitely see what you're saying, Matt. Like like at at Fenway, for instance, or at, you know, or at a show like that, where you're going to see Pearl Jam, you just want to see them play. Yeah. No opener, fine, cool. But if you're going to a, an arena show or whatever, I feel like that's it's part of the Yes, you know, part of the thing is going and and you know waiting and seeing them and then talking about that band. Sure, yeah. Were they good? What did you like about them? What didn't you like about them? And it's just like, man, they were good, but Pearl Jam is going to be so much better, and it just gets you into that headspace yeah. of you know this is this is hap- this is really happening right. now. Well, I think I mentioned a couple shows ago that uh, when Bad Religion opened up in Chicago, uh, I was already, I had been a Bad Religion fan for like five, ten years, so I freaked out when I found out that that they were opening up, and it was only a week before uh, the show actually happened that it got announced, so sometimes that does happen, Social Distortion, another one. Yeah, that's that's another really good point, The, the, the bands that they had, the other end, bands that are you know, even maybe even more established than Pearl Jam in the sense that they've been around longer. Sonic Youth. Right. Oh my God. Buzzcocks. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Buzz. Yeah. Exactly. Those those sorts of things. I, yeah. I mean, how, how often does the, do the Buzzcocks play in the United States for you to be able to go see them? I mean, not anymore. Right. Definitely not anymore. So. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, being able to see them open for Pearl Jam, I don't know that I would have had the opportunity to see one of the greatest bands ever. Yeah. Uh, you know, except for the, when they open up for Pearl Jam. So. Yeah, that's definitely another side of it. Kind too. of something related to that as well. Like in in the summer, I saw the Pixies open up for Weezer, and they ended, and I, and I was like, "Can yeah. can I see mm-hmm. more of the Pixies though?" Because they right. were, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pixies don't, Pixies don't need to open up for them. That that's yeah, they're just doing it as a favor. Like there was a show a couple years ago, Descendants were opening up for somebody that they absolutely didn't have to open up for. Like yeah, you know, the Sublime with Rome or something like that. Yeah. But anyway, let's. Uh, do you want to? Do you want to hear a little clip of uh, Under Pressure? Him and Eddie doing Under Pressure. I did not know you had that. Absolutely, we'll have it. Okay, let's listen. Randy, you know you don't have to ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, can we play the Vanilla Ice version first? <laughs> okay, because it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
so Ben Harper opening, and we didn't mention this yet. Uh, let's let's just quickly just mention this now because we're going to talk about this a lot. The bulk of the show is going to be this later in the show. Uh, the this was on June thirtieth, two thousand and ten, which is the ten year anniversary of the Roskilde Festival accident. Um, so. At that time, I wasn't really plugged in. I was a 14-year-old just going into high school, whatever it was. Um, Steve, you were you were in the loop at the time. So, what do you remember? Yeah. So, I, um, it, it's a little bit it, it's a little bit fuzzy for me as well, honestly. Um, that uh, I graduated college um, just a couple weeks before the incident happened, um, and with everything, you know moving out of my apartment and all that crazy stuff that was happening when, you know, when you graduate college, uh, you know, I wasn't really as dialed in. I didn't even realize that it happened until uh, a couple weeks after it did. Um, and then the only thing I could think of, or one of the only things I could think of, uh, was back to my first, my first ever show, Pearl Jam show was at, uh, at Randall's Island. And we'll do that one at some point. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that it was, uh, I mean, there were a couple times at that show where I, I, I definitely felt like if I lose my footing, and it, and it, it had rained that day, uh, and Randall's, the, I don't know if anybody who's ever been to Randall's Island, uh, it's a really cool venue, but that infield is just a disaster area. Oh, it's the worst. Um, yeah, um, and I, the, the, the crush at that show was unlike anything I've, I've been to before or since, um, and I, I, it, it just really messed me up thinking about you know, even at that show, I felt safe because you think people are going to be there to take care of you and those security guards and things like that. And then something like that happens. Um, and you, you kind of think like, you know, is this going to be it for the band? Because, uh, you know, not, not, not necessarily it for the band as far as albums and things like that, but, you know, are they going to stop touring? Are they going to like, you know, finish out their commitments and then, you or know, big gap between. Yeah. yeah. And then, or, you know, finish out their commitments and then, and then come back and review and decide to never tour again. Cause it's not worth it. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a, it was a really, um, hard thing to, to deal with. And then the, the flip side of that is, you know, do you start thinking, do you, is it worth going to shows? Uh, um, you know, if you're, if you're in, if you're in danger and, you know, uh, Maybe that didn't that didn't cross my mind so much uh, at the time, you know, being you know twenty two or whatever, you know, a dumb kid, you know. But um, you know, it definitely is something that crosses your mind of you know at least at least you know what kind of shows do I want to be going to? You know, am right. I going to go to general admission shows anymore and things like that? Yeah, um, yeah. There's there's a point where you know. You do get old, too old for that. People, people don't, and people, you know, I, the GA show that I went to, which is one we're covering next week. Everybody was really cool. No pushing, no shoving. I was on the rail, and you know, cool as could be. I even went to go to the bathroom because I was waiting in line for all the time, and people were like, "Yeah, just you know, you owe me a beer." Right, right, that's right. easy. So, right, right. Uh, we're, we'll get into that a little more, but I think it's really fitting that they opened with Long Road. So uh, let's let's start out with that. Um, 
fitting opener for the show uh yeah considering the 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 mood and um i'll talk more about uh, some things that set the mood uh when we get to some of the, one of the later songs in the in the set but um definitely long road uh set the mood perfectly well it was the the anniversary of what was going on was on everybody's mind um and this kind of just was to me, it seemed like it was their way to acknowledge that they knew what was going on as well. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, this is, it's a long road and we're going to, you know, we can't live in the past. We have to, um, you know, we still have to, you know, do what we're going to do. Um, and it, it just, the, the version of it was, was just amazing. Uh, set the tone really well of a, of a somber tone, but also, um, you know, a hopeful tone, uh, which was, which was pretty cool. It seems to be hints of hints and foreshadowing early in the set, which we'll mm-hmm. we'll get into here. Uh, Not to mention that it's just a, a really good song to open with uh, at yeah, any for point. Sure. I think it's uh, not not too slow, not too fast. sets a, sets a good pace. People sing to it. Yes, yep. people sing to it exactly. Yeah, I, I think I think the only opener I like better than Long Road um, is Love Boat Captain. I don't know when the I don't even know when the last time they played that Probably song at all, much oh. less. Much less when they've opened it with it. They played uh, it a couple times this summer, but they? opening probably not since Riot Act. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that's that. That is just a great, great opener. Um, I'm but, there. but Long Road, I think, is 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 definitely up there. Maybe probably number two for me. Song two uh, that we get into. This is not the fourth show in a row, but four out of the five shows we've had to cover this damn song. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt for a second. Randy. I apologize. I know, I know I'm just a guest here. I, so I'm sorry. No, please. But your family, I, I like got some, I think it's a great song. No, <laughs> that's enough. Can you tell we're brothers? <laughs> Cause I love it too. And not only that, but I, I listened to this transition from long road into got some maybe three or four times. And it works so it, it well. Really Got some does. In this number two spot is so good. Yeah, it, it, it's it really does. You get the 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 slow open of long of uh, long road, uh, setting that hopeful tone, and then just right into 
got some pick, picks up the pace, uh, especially the that last chorus there where they kind of played out. They do the little solo lick over the over the melody. It's uh, I don't know. It fits so well, and the crowd's going nuts for it, and they're kind of off to the races at this yeah. point. I think it was very effective. Well, guess what? You know what? This is the last backspacer show we're going to do for a couple of weeks <laughs> <laughs> until until we have you back on. Actually, nice. that that'll be the next backspacer show we do. So no more got something. <laughs> All right, uh, why go is next, and I'm going to throw this out there, but we haven't really talked about these little things that Pearl Jam fans are just. You know, it's a good crowd when the fans know the little isms and one of the isms with why go is in the beginning during the drum part they all go hey 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 and this crowd was just on it yeah it was perfect and it also goes further than that you know eddie will sometimes now change the melody of the way he sings songs you know better man uh stuff like that better man's a prime example but he'll he's been doing it kind of the same way for about 10 years and now that is just the way you sing it you don't sing it like the album anymore course yeah that's that's a good point yeah and and this was uh um the the why go home uh when the crowd gets into singing that um i just knew that this this show was going to be just something amazing because they were everybody was singing and everybody was singing at the top of their lungs and everybody was jumping it's also it's it was just, it's it was just so it was just so so cool. and you look around this this the the stadium with that that I mentioned before with the really cool layout um and it was just it was just epic you knew it was going to be something special and i just want to throw in there i don't know if i just haven't been paying attention but uh, it might have been on this song where he brought it out first but stone was using his really torn up red Stratocaster that he used a lot back then. And I yeah. love that fucking guitar. And I haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen it in a long, long time. So watching this on, on YouTube, you know, they put the bootleg track along to it. So it was high quality. Cool. And I'm like, there's that fucking guitar. I haven't seen that. I totally forgot about that guitar. So thank you, Stone. What a thing of beauty. Uh, next up, we have Given a Fly. And um, this is the one, one of the ones that you want to talk about a little bit, Steve. We both agree that this was a faster live version than usual yeah this is one of the few pearl jam songs that um i really like on the album and i don't like it live i'm to me to me this given to fly uh Hopefully mom is not listening to this episode, Matt, because I know Given to Fly is like her favorite Pearl Jam song ever. But Well, now hopefully I'm not listening to this episode too because <laughs> I, I really love this song live, actually. Uh, to, to me, it's just a, it's a, it's a showstopper, and I don't mean that in a good way. I mean, it just drags the set down instantly uh, wow. most, most times that it's played. I don't disagree. But this, that's why I liked when they opened with it because but, there was no drag. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 I, it's funny. I, I agree. It's not one of my favorite openers, probably just because I haven't seen it open. You know, I haven't seen them use it open very often. Um, but in this spot, I don't know if it's because they they did pick up the pace uh, for it. It seemed like, uh, or it was just because it was early into the show, so you weren't really. Um, yeah, there was no fatigue factor yet right. for, for, for Given to Fly to kind of like jump on top of and kind of bring you down. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking about if it was the, or maybe the combination of the placement and the, and the faster pace. But for some reason, man, did this song work that night. It was just like, 
man, even, even I was singing and, you know, putting my arms up and, uh, yeah, even I was totally into this, uh, this version of the song this night for sure. It's one I of their had, best oh, mixed tracks. I, I hate to cut you off. I know it's, it's weird cause we're in the same room and, and you're not. So no, no, go, go, go. I, I just wanted to say, I had no idea you guys felt this way about giving to fly live. I, oh, um, I thought I've told you. I'm no, I'm a little, hold on. I gotta, I gotta take a break for a second. Guys. <laughs> Catch your breath. <laughs> All right, I'm good to go. What were you saying, Randy? I was I was going to say I think it's one of Pearl Jam's best mixed songs because when uh, you listen to it on the album, that whole intro, it just feels like there's a mystique to it. There's yeah. uh, something happened, and then there's a crescendo, and the waves came crashing. Uh, that whole part, um, it you get that story of a kid, you know, getting wings and flying flying away, and live it's just kind of there yeah yeah i could agree like they'll either they'll speed it up or do whatever and you almost lose some of the mysticism as you're talking about sure uh, because it's so well mixed you know so right right uh okay so we get a little break eddie talks he speaks in german uh sounds like he did okay but he goes right back to english asks the crowd if they're happy and it's an overwhelmingly says yes Ask if they feel safe, which is a more important question, and that's another yes. He says they can't feel happy unless the crowd feels safe, and that's the whole that's the whole premise of the show here. Obviously, this is foreshadowing something. Uh, he says for the first the first time they ever played in Berlin was in '92, and they played nine songs. And this is a very typical Ed line. <laughs> They'll play 10 tonight <laughs> or at least 10 tonight. They play more songs in their encore than they played yeah. <laughs> in total their first time they were there. It shows how much they've grown. Um, <laughs> yeah. Elderly woman is next and let's not spend too much time on elderly woman, but uh, you can really hear boom as a prominent piece in this. And uh, maybe I'm just not paying close enough attention because it's played a zillion times, but do you feel like when you're listening to most elderly women that you can hear that in, in that, uh, I guess, breakdown part? I, you know, I don't know. I, to me, I feel like just this time frame, uh, Boom was more prominent than he was after this this tour. Um, so I don't know if it's just because it's because of the time frame in which it was, you know, I don't mean like the time frame within the show. I mean, like, you know, 2010. Right. Um, I just feel like like you got Boom's more more of a standout, sure, um, and, and maybe it just it just came through on this track for some reason that night more. But um, I definitely feel like you heard him more back back then than you do now. Uh, Randy, I'm with you. I just don't know if I have been paying close enough attention. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I'm with you on that one. It sounded good though. I, oh, it's great. You know, yeah, the, absolutely. But just keep his levels up and yeah, and keep keep Boom going. Um, Okay, next song, let's play a clip, and it is the rarest song that you'll ever hear live from Yield that's not the Red Dot <laughs> untitled song, because they'll never do that. So, push me, pull me. I had a false belief, I thought we came in and stayed. Oh, we're all just visiting, we're all just breaking like waves. The oceans made me, made me, but who came up with that? Push me, pull me, push me, push me, pull me out. Push me, pull me, push me, pull me, push me, pull me. 
what a wacky song in general. It's weird poetry and beatnikish, mm-hmm. and the live version. I remember the first time I ever heard this was that MSG that we were talking about before, yeah. and hearing it live, you, you don't know what it is until the chorus really kicks in. So, well, it, it's funny. We we actually knew the people. The people in the show uh, knew what it was because. Anybody who was there early heard it during sound check. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> so we were like, everybody was kind of like, no way, are they going to play that tonight? It was like, no, nah, it's just sound check. They're just messing around. Yeah. And then sure enough, uh, as soon as you hear that uh, that opening that opening bit there, we're all like, no way, this is awesome. So <laughs> It's arguably better. The, live? The, the live version over the album? This, this version, yes. Yeah. I agree. I, oh, I, 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 agree. I would agree with that. The bass is so heavy in it. Yeah. And yeah. I think... Does it have a number nine feel to you when it's on the album? Kind of like a uh, there's confusion going on in the background, and he's just kind of talking, and it's I can see weird. That. Yeah, you know, it's it's not Yoko Ono weird, but it's <laughs> it's still weird. No, no, I could see I could see like a callback to that for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, some stats on this: uh, it's had a weird history. Uh, when Yield came out in '98, the song was played once as a tag to daughter and then it was only played twice and not played until philadelphia in 09 so that was a 342 show layoff uh they brought it back for boston msg in this show in 2010 has only been played seven times since the last time in 2014 for the yield show steve have you seen this like four times because you were at the philly show yeah you were at this you were at pj20 and you were at the yield show um yeah Yes, I guess I have, yeah. And if you were at that MSG show, it would have been five. Yeah. You'd probably hold the record. <laughs> it's like how, I think he would, yeah. 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 It's like how I hold the record for most time seeing All Night. <laughs> yeah. Because I've seen All Night like five Almost or six every time. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, just, just real quick. Uh, I didn't realize how infrequently All Night was played until you guys said it on, on last, last Weird, week's right? broadcast. Because I agree. I felt like there was a, a period where every show we went to, they were playing it. I was just like, <laughs> oh, this is like, this is like their new uh, like Baba or something. Like, it's just going to be thrown into every set. Sure. Uh, when you hear that song, it sounds like a song that they play. Yeah. <laughs> all, you could hear it one time. And then you think to yourself, I've heard them play this a million times every show. I mean, it's, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. right. And it's like, no, this is your first time. It's just that kind of sounding song. Yeah. And, yeah. But, uh, Matt, and oh, you actually, you guys both know uh, Suzette, who, yeah. Um, yeah. She even, even she at one point was like, God, I can't believe they're playing this song again. And then Randy mentioned how infrequently it was played last week. And I was like, that's so bizarre. Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Does Suzette know about the show? I told Sabelle. I don't have contact with Suzette. I, I, I told her about it when we when we uh, met up in Boston. So, okay. yeah, hopefully she's she's on the lookout for it. Okay. Oh, I didn't even get to see her. I'll, I'll, def- I'll definitely text her now because now that she's been brought up. Cool. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let her know shout for sure. Out. Now that her name has been yeah. <laughs> shout out, you got to tell, tell her. her shout sure. out both to Suzette and Sabelle that we've had so many great adventures with, including definitely. PJ20, which was just... Yep. One of the best weekends of our entire lives, for sure. I haven't been married yet, so I'm allowed to say that. Um, God, Randy. I'm just joking. Uh, That's hilarious. So next three songs, I I don't want to spend too much time on these because there's a lot to talk about in between, but Immortality, In Hiding, Even Flow, it seems like it's falling pretty well here. Absolutely. No Breaks. All great, great performances. Great. I love yeah, immortality. Was, I love in hiding. So yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, we're in the same spot again, Matt. I, I was just going to call out how each one of those three songs just sounded 
awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it could have been the, um, you know, the, uh, the, the mood of the crowd and all that stuff probably had something to do with it. But, um, three of, three of the best versions of those songs, I think. Okay. So let's play a snippet of this one. This was a rarely heard backspacer song and cause we're not really going to talk about it too much, uh, in later shows. It's only been played, I think 14 times. Uh, let's hear it for Johnny guitar. forth with this one whether i like it or not i think it's really cheesy but then i i, I think it's like what? kind of fun what is happening right now no johnny guitar is amazing <laughs> i it's, freaking love that song it's kind of cheesy though he looks at a poster and like falls in love with the girl on the poster but it's it's just too good it's it, but no it's, <laughs> who can't relate to that though like that's that's, that's you know, very true it's just like that like every kid has had that like you know, I mean, holy schmoly, uh, uh, Stephen King wrote a book about, <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah. The, the poster girl. Like, yeah. that's like, yeah, I, I, I think it's great. It, it, it totally captures that, like, that age of just, um, uh, you know, learning just, your sexuality. Yeah. And just like, like, am I ever going to meet that girl? And like, of course you're not. But, <laughs> you know, it. 10 or whatever you don't realize that you you know you're a vivid dreamer at that right point. Ex yeah. exactly ex i think it i think it per perfectly captures that um that that feeling of growing up and it it is it is a cheesy song and it's a silly song but you could think about it from the, the mind of a 10 or 12 year old that there's that there's she's trying that he's trying to capture with that song i think it just works perfectly and it's such a great fun uh song especially with the heavy stuff that we're gonna have to deal with uh, it's just such a good, lighthearted um, experience. I, I, I love Johnny Guitar, especially in concert. Matt, quick, why do you, why do you not like Johnny? Uh, it's not that I don't like it. Uh, I agree with everything Steve said. And yeah, it's a really cool idea. But on the other hand, sometimes when I hear it, I also think this is just the dumbest song I've ever heard. <laughs> that's, that's half the time I hear it too. I'm like... It's really weird. But, but no, you're right. Like sometimes I... I enjoy it. I don't know. I think what I'm trying to say is I enjoy it more when if, if I'm listening to Backspacer all the way through. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Okay. Like, I will never go and, like, pick it out. It's not on a mix. I'm yeah. not going to make a mix, right? right. But, right, right, right. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm either or. You know what I see it as? It, it's, it's, it's one of their late, late catalog songs. It's now considered a deep track. I think it's only been played, like, 14 times. Uh, I'll get into the stats in a second. But, like... 
those bands like the stones and you know bands that just keep putting out records but people want to hear uh their older stuff it's like it's just one of those songs that you're just never going to pay attention to just because you're especially the Pearl Jam fan, the bro Pearl Jam fans, as you said before, yeah, yeah, exactly. all like, Oh, I want to hear blood. <laughs> right. Um, which yes, I do want to hear blood, but yes, right, yes, that's yes, yes, besides yes. the point. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're never gonna attach themselves to Johnny guitar or right. talk about it for four minutes. Like we just had. Right. So, <laughs> uh, like I said, going back to when I saw Weezer this summer, they didn't play any new. They, it was a hits show. That's all they do. They they put out an album every year, and then when they tour, <laughs> yeah. they just do the hits. I'm okay with that because Weezer is the kind of band that I don't go into deep cuts for. No, exactly. That, uh, no, I'm I'm just kind of reiterating but, what you were oh, saying. Like you don't. Yeah, really, yeah, 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 yeah. Who cares? You know, you don't. I don't know what I don't know what Rolling Stones have been doing in the past ten years, but I don't really want to see any of it when I go see them play. <laughs> I want to see the old right. stuff. All right. you need to know is Keith Richards is still alive. Yes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, some Johnny stats here. It's been only played four times since 2010. Another Backspacer song that faded once Eddie snapped the gauntlet fingers from Thanos and turned it to ashes. And even though it was on the set list of Hartford 2013, it has not been played since 2011. Uh, we go into from Johnny into Corduroy. What? Corduroy question mark? <laughs> it, it, it's like um, from Arrested Development. Her? Yeah. Here? Yeah. <laughs> Corduroy? Here? But again, uh, I, I thought it worked really well. Um, some of the people around me had actually expressed disappointment that they weren't going to see Corduroy. Uh, and then all of a sudden they pull it out at 11 or whatever it is. And, and people went mental around me. It was, it was really, really cool. Right. I mean, do I think, you know, having been studying these set lists now for the podcast for so long, do I think it works here? Uh, maybe not as well as it works in other places. Does it work as a song you pull out to really shock the people? 100%. Because by the time you get into it, you're like, oh, they're not going to do it. And then when you do it in this 11 spot, it is, it's shocking, like you said. And I'm sure everybody res responded and reacted to it accordingly yeah it's it's not paint by numbers here and that that's really cool we no. saw uh the amsterdam show last week they played sixth mm -hmm. so this is 11th in the set and um i've seen them i've seen them close an encore with it and i thought that was really cool yeah, that they did that really cool. and definitely i wish that they would do that more often but um uh, but it's a song that sounds so amazing in the two three spot yes but when you bring it in 11 or at the end of a set uh, I, I would I would take that. I would be so happy to to be shocked and to be blown away like that at a show. And Steve, going back to what you were saying before, all the people saying you're disappointed for not hearing Corduroy. Uh, Corduroy is one of those songs. It's the song that I have to hear, uh, like the first Boston show and the uh, the MSG show, the first MSG show from 2016. That's the song that made me realize holy shit i'm at a pearl jam show because it's on all of my mixes it's my fiance is one of her favorite songs yeah we listen to it all the time uh, it's so emotionally i, I get teary-eyed when i do hear it live it, in those situations it's, it's funny you say that because i was actually thinking um that why go actually played that role in this oh wow in this set yeah okay. um that that 
that was the one that kind of like that's a that good just, point and especially because the crowd sang along the way that they did yeah it kind of like snaps you into oh man this is this is this is epic right you know what i mean and matt's song is last kissed when whenever they play matt uh, yeah absolutely <laughs> oh i i melt but um <laughs> you know steve i think i had mentioned on some earlier episodes that corduroy might be it might have been one of the first pearl jam songs you had ever shown me so yeah i agree with you guys too it's kind of that oh shit we're here and who knows maybe even people got that when it was in the 11th spot maybe they hadn't even it might not have even hit them yet where they were and then corduroy plays you know because yeah. that's how i would feel as well this is usually like a daughter spot too yeah. so yeah, right, exactly. right. take that over daughter any day of the week. i mean randy we were we were in fenway and i told you we parked the car and we started walking and i said uh it still hasn't hit me yet like are we here <laughs> is it have, have all these months finally gone by but i think corduroy is kind of like a a defining song when yeah. it comes to that. And I, I agree completely with that. I think most Pearl Jam fans would tell you if we were to sit here and make this ultimate compilation of like everybody rank every Pearl Jam song ever, the, the number one and number two, I think would be Corduroy and Black. I think that's because you're going to get a mix of fans from the early years. You're going to get a mix from fans from, from today. But I don't think that out of 10, anybody's going to rate either of those songs lower than eight or nine. Yeah. Unfortunately, you might get some more Jeremy, I think, in there. But no. Yeah. No, I mean. I agree. I'm talking about like the fa- the like community. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm not talking about like, like people off the street. Oh, okay, no, no, I got no, you. No, I got you. No, got no, you. no, 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 real people. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> Uh, Our real people. <laughs> anyway, from real people to dead people, what a horrible segue. Um, we go into light years. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, we're not editing that part out. Uh, no, definitely not. But for this song, just being such a depressing kind of content, they made it feel really warm and special. It is a, a very special song, and it, it doesn't get its, its due live and... You know, this yeah. is Binaural's uh, appearance. Yeah, t- totally agree. This is, God, this song is so, so great live. Does not get its due. Um, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. It was like light years at this show is like the Marlins player that got nominated to the All-Star game. We just need everybody from every team. And, hey, you're on the Marlins, and you don't suck as bad as everybody else. So... You're going. PSA, this is not a baseball show. <laughs> How many times have we said that now? <laughs> All right. Um, we're, we're working on our spinoff, if anyone hasn't noticed. <laughs> Mets, Pearl Jam, and you. <laughs> yes. Uh, Gonna See My Friend is up next. And, gee, another one that Thanos snapped to ashes. Uh, it's only been played twice since... It, it was been it was played twice in 2010, which is like promoting Backspacer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of these songs, Johnny Guitar, another one, they played at that Hartford show that we both went to in 2010. Yeah. Gonna see my friend. They ended uh, a set with in 2010 in that same Hartford show. Uh, only three times since then. I don't understand that either. The yeah. show. I d- I don't get it. I do not get it. It is such a rockin' opener, opening album track. It's fast. It's furious. It's, it's so. It's such a great song. Yeah. And yeah. And, and, and if they opened this the a show with this, that's how perfect would that be? Yes. I mean, that's like this should be. Uh, yeah. I I I don't understand why it's why it's out of the rotation. It's such a great song. 
Yeah, I actually have to say, uh, for an album opener, I I like it as a as a set closer. I like that idea. I think it's a I, yeah. I think it's a song that could go in either spot. It was awesome, Hartford 2010, which is it was a really cool show. Uh, they ended the set with this, and this is I had been listening to a lot of Backspace at this time, and it did have like that really just raunch feeling it got you really pumped for the encore yeah so um yeah thanos come on bring it back <laughs> how, do, how do we get it back from the soul the soul gem you gotta ask tony stark <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so they do uh worldwide suicide is next and you know how they sometimes do that little intro like yeah. and they hold it off for a little bit you can hear Eddie in the background saying, who made the set list? <laughs> who made the set list? It always perplexed me. I don't know if he's happy with it or like what, like it's who different. made the set list? Like what's going on here? Yeah. This set's different. It's almost a mess. Yeah. It's kind of perfect. It's a beautiful mess. Yeah. 311, beautiful disaster. Oh, why'd you have to go there? <laughs> <laughs> um, Worldwide Suicide, just another one they never play anymore. Yep. In, Sadly. In hiding since 2014. And Bring it, it the frick back. Especially in this day and age as we watch uh, the world burn around us. Yep. <laughs> it, would be, it would be perfect. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so next up, Ed says that this one is appropriate to this guy. And I will, I will say that's a really good way to intro this because what was happening when I was listening to this, I wasn't looking at the set list at the time so I, I didn't know what was coming up in what order so when ed says this one's appropriate to this guy and they go into low light i'm like ah oh, that's such a cool way to intro it yeah and yeah i wrote my heart melts heart eye emojis <laughs> low light you know how i feel about low light i'm glad it is now a fixture oh, because yeah. it's one of my all-time favorite songs and i had mentioned to you i i had text both of you guys i was like low light in this spot but this is so weird. It must be before they found that sweet spot. And maybe that's true. Listening to the whole show from beginning to end, it fits. Uh, I hate to say it. I don't like it in this number 15 spot. It's a number two spot, but you know what? It sounds really fucking good. And it strangely does fit. And to um, kind of just bring some of the ex my experience again from being at the show back in, um, I have no idea if they planned it this way. Or, or not, um, it, it was obviously written on the set list in the spot, so it wasn't like they improved it, but I don't know if they right. like timed things out to be this way, but when they played the song, it was, the sun had was like just going down over wow. the horizon, right. and again, from that awesome stadium that we were in, the sky was just, when he said it's appropriate to the sky, it was, it was like, a, like a Van Gogh painting. It was wow. amazing. It was the low light. It was yeah. perfect. Yeah. And then uh, I said to Randy, because Berlin is latitude is so much higher, that ambiance, that, that, that sky setting lasted almost the entire rest of the show. It was like, wow. it was like that song somehow like flipped a switch and it was just like, until you got to the second encore, that's just, that was just how the show was. And you could just feel that song through the rest of the set. And it was just, it was, I mean, is magical like for it's it's so it's so corny to, you know corny term but it was really just a magical thing that that, that happened we're gonna have to find a youtube clip of this and post it yeah. and that'll be a really good talking point so 
Cool little factoid right there. I didn't I didn't know that, but that's that's. I just assumed the show started at like one o'clock in the afternoon. So, uh. <laughs> uh, from low light into comatose, and they start doing comatose. Sounds like they they go until da na na da na na, and they just kind of like fade out. Like right before they get into the verse lyrics, they yeah. Screw uh, R- Randy, can yeah. I interject real quick? I listened to it. Um, Jeff started it in the wrong key. That's what it was. Ooh. Yeah, Jeff, that was... Why that is was it always a, avocado songs? You know, because they don't fucking play them ever. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Could you imagine how, like, binaural, like, uh, in a tour next year? Do you know how bad those songs would probably sound? Because they just oh, don't play them anymore. Oh, God's face, <laughs> yeah. Evacuation. Jeez. Yeah, right? So, yeah, I listened to it a few times, and it sounded like everybody was on, and uh, Jeff had started it in the wrong key so <laughs> but they go into like a jam afterwards and i couldn't figure out what that was yeah yeah it was a cool kind of blues little jam just to and you know what you could tell even as they're jamming on it you could hear jeff is still trying to find where to start and, and, he, <laughs> and he figures it out and they do it yeah Some, someday we're going to dig deeper into this but um because we have lots more to talk about. I don't want to waste too much time, but when this happens again, when they fuck up a song, I'm going to bring back the Les Claypool uh, thing. He So whenever somebody throws something on stage at Les Claypool, he stops dead in his tracks, he insults them for being a lowlife that works at McDonald's, <laughs> and that's it. They end the song. It could be whatever song. It could be the rarest song they've ever played. Matt and I witnessed Jerry was a race car driver, mm. and somebody threw a cup at him on stage. Yeah, they just stopped in their tracks, and he's like, you know, some guy, some 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 knucklehead that that voted for George Bush is probably going to vote for him again. Because <laughs> we're, we're going to play that. We're not going to play it tonight. We're going to play that at some point whenever we do bump into this situation. But. Maybe Pearl Jam should think about if they screw screw up the beginning of the song. Maybe they should just their losses and move on. But then we would have missed a great version of Comatose. This is true. This is true. Now what you're what you're forgetting to mention, Randy, is not only do they stop the song, but they left the stage for a good fifteen minutes. They walked up the stage. Yeah. No. They, yeah. He just went to grab they, a bottle of wine. No, he, it wasn't dude, too they long. Were off the, they, it, it was. They were off the stage for a while. Uh, longer than a, a band should be off the stage when you're performing a show. So now, with your idea on this with Pearl Jam, if someone messes up a song, should they just tell that member to get off the stage for a few minutes <laughs> and just like cool down? Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, you got you got to go, man. We're, bring, we're bringing in the backup bassist. Stone's gonna play bass, <laughs> <laughs> and we're just gonna do smile. Yeah, perfect. Uh, so, do the evolution is gonna end the first set, which is a good first set ender, and it's gonna get you hyped for the next uh, for the for the encore, and we're in the encore now. Which we've said in uh, in different episodes that do do the evolution you could kind of kind of put anywhere. Pretty much, absolutely. Third song in this spot, other spots, yeah, it, yeah, it works. Well, and like like we said, what was it? Was it Fenway Night Two? We were supposed to get that like second encore. I wanted that so bad. It was right I, before a live, I believe, we were supposed to get it because it, it works anywhere. And I am so upset that they did not do do the evolution second encore in Fenway Night Two because. Uh, I think that would have been probably one for the ages, one for the books. The evolution was in the lead of 
times that I had heard the song, but now it's tied for a live. Mm. So I I think 18 out of 20 I've heard both live and awesome. Evolution. So nice. Uh, yeah, I wish I could have heard it. So it could have been <laughs> 19 just to <laughs> cut a buff. Uh, Okay, encore time, and Ed says that he's a surfer, duh, and he loves that wave shit. It makes him horny, and and this is when they did big wave. <laughs> and, wrong. They they did their avocado. For, they didn't do any more avocado, right? Matt, Matt, someday we'll do the San Francisco night too that I went to when they played big wave and Eddie crowd surfed, and it was pretty awesome. Steve, you're not invited. <laughs> you're not invited to do that episode. <laughs> So, uh, the wave shit makes him horny, which every time I I read that, I am thinking um, of Soon Forget, where he says, Mm -hmm. whatever keeps him horny. Yeah. So, anyway. uh, It feels like they are still the opener. This is what Ed says. It feels like they're still the opener because they have a ton of night to go. And especially you said the sky. Yeah, it it still felt like it was... I mean, I don't even know what time it was at this was point. Was that solstice? Nine thirty. Yeah, it was close. It was June, June thirtieth. Yeah. So it was only like nine days after. Yeah. Um, you know the the higher uh, latitude. So it was. I don't even know. Probably nine o'clock or so at this point. And wow. it felt it felt like it was five thirty in the evening. <laughs> it was so it was crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. So he tells the crowd to stop beating the shit out of each other and mellow out because now is not the, the night to do it. Right. Bad night to do it. He says, this is the most depressing song ever written, and he's not wrong. It's the end. And I think a lot during this tour, they were starting their encore with the end and going into Just Breathe, because those are really the cooldowns, and that's what they do here. Can Uh, I say something about that? Sure. Um, I think I I like it better in these encores when it's not just Ed coming out to play, because... You know, I like to see the full band, and I like I like it when they start an encore slower. But I like what they do with you know songs acoustically or cover songs, whatever. Like it might thumbing be. my when, way, which they did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like when it's like a full band, um, but then they all come on for just breathe, which was a big wedding song a few years ago. I did that a lot, mm-hmm. and then I I kind of went back and I listened to it again, and the end and just breathe went together so well, especially going into the next song that I almost didn't mind that it was just Eddie by himself. It's not what I prefer, but it, it was done so well and the transitions were so smooth. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm not a big fan of Eddie coming out solo. I like. <laughs> I, I, I haven't I, heard that one before. Yeah. <laughs> I, With I, this, I, they just pulled it off really well. I think it was... Yeah, no, I totally... No, I, yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. No, I was, just, I was just agreeing in general. Right. I prefer when the, when the band comes out. So after Just Breathe, he says that that was a love song, but the next one is a love song too. Not with a dog, not with a human, but with a record. It's spin the black circle. Just kick ass. Kick ass. Love it. Not much more to say about the song. It's amazing in general, amazing live. Yeah, awesome. This one in particular, I thought they might die while playing it. It is, it is, it's an insane performance. So they go from Black Circle into Public Image, and it's the first time they've ever played Public Image, so let's give it a listen. Hello!
public image. This is the first time they've ever played it. Uh, only nine times played, and that's including PJ twenty. And was this a surprise, or this, this was definitely a surprise? Um, and it was also again another um, uh, just a great song, influential song. Mm. Um, I think for anybody who listened to this, you know, this era of music, um, you know, uh, and he, he dedicates it. I think to, I think he calls him Uncle Johnny, right? Some Johnny like Lydon, yeah, uh, which is just awesome. Uh, another. <laughs> A great uh, example of a band with the, the a song and album. Who's the name of the band? Which I just I, just, I love. What's, what's the other one? Like, there's there's a bunch of them. Yeah, there was for a while that was like just the bad company. That was just, bad company. Bad company. Yeah. Yeah, was just like, yeah, that was like the thing to do for a while, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it's, it's so great, and they and they they just nail it too. It's it's the, yeah. the, the, this version of this song is just so so great fits in well in the set it absolutely does yeah i really have no opinion on it besides it's it's great here and next they go into their backspacer single it's the fixer and my notes here are yeah 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 gonna hear this song again because we've covered it like five (laughs) times already yeah you take it over got some every time right Uh, yeah yes yes i mean like I like Fixer better than Gotsum, of course. Just but another great song. I can't believe you're disparaging in any way. I'm not really disparaging. It. It's <laughs> just, we've covered it so much no, yeah, already. For, for you guys, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. The next episode will not have either Fixer, nor I think it will have Gotsum. I, yeah, I don't think it's going to have Gotsum. So that's right. we're in a good spot. Nice. <laughs> okay, ready? This is like your favorite part. Um, Ed introduces. Peter Buck and Scott McCoy from REM. So real, real quick, I, I didn't know if, if I was going to be able to send. I hadn't, hadn't tried to send any texts from Germany while I was there. Okay, right, right as public image was wrapping up, I, I'm like looking at the stage and I'm trying to take pictures with my phone and send them to Matt and, and ask Matt, is that? Mike Mills on the side of the stage. <laughs> and yes, it was. <laughs> Apparently everybody except uh, Michael Stipe had come out to uh, to see the show. Mike Mills was there Mike Mills, with them? No, he, he Mike, Mike Mills did not he did not he did not play. But that he wasn't surprised. But he was chilling, he was chilling on the side of the stage because he was just hanging out like sitting on one of the speakers watching the show. Apparently Peter Buck and Scott McCoy were getting you know, geared up, ready to come out. But Mike Mills is just sitting there, uh, you know, hanging out. And I was like, I was like, I- I've got to be seeing. Like, like, why would Mike Mills be there? And then and he's such a prominent face. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. Right, exactly. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. You, you can't mistake him. So Peter, then yeah. Peter Buck's like one of my favorite members. Of he just he oh. seems just like such a chill guy. Yeah. You know? It's and and now now he's touring with Joseph Arthur. Yeah. Arthur Buck. Yeah. Arthur Buck. Uh, ah. I just got the LP. I haven't listened to it yet, though. Yeah, and, and I mean, and Joseph Arthur, of course, played with with Pearl Jam at PJ Twenty, yep. and he played with uh, with Jeff in Random. Yeah, it's strange how worlds collide. See, I see, I brought that together with another with uh, Neil yeah, reference too. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, hey guys, is it time? It's time. It's time. It is it is time? It, it's time. It is time. It's time. It is time to kick out the jams, motherfucker.
anytime they have guests that are multiple guests like this, like they did in Seattle with uh, Kim and and Mark Arm and all yeah. those guys, they're gonna do kick out the jams, motherfucker. Yeah, so. and this is one of my favorite covers of theirs as well. And I just love MC Five, and it's just oh my god, it's so it's awesome when they do it. Whenever and then to see them do it with Peter Buck was just like oh my god, this is how, awesome. How many different bands have covered this? Because pres- presidents of the United States, I, I don't even yeah. Um, who else did it? Uh, Rage Against the Machine did it. I think they did, yeah. And there's got to be one other band that that's I'm it. sure. But it's yeah. like one of the most covered rock songs outside of All Along the Watchtower, you right. know? Yeah. It's just one of those that it's just such a an influential it, – it's really, to me, it's the kick – the kickoff of the, of the punk industry. Absolutely. You know, yeah. it really is. And this is, uh, this just real quick, this is another reason why I wanted to do, I didn't want to say it in the beginning and spoil it, but this is another reason why I wanted to do this show specifically for my first show, Matt, because on, on your, the first episode of this, we talked about R.E.M. being such a big influence on Absolutely, us growing up. Yeah. And to see them play with Pearl Jam was just like, man. Bucket list. Un, un, Check. Un, un, unbelievable. Yeah. When they were playing the song, were you yelling at Mike Mills to get the fuck out there and play or what yeah i was like i was like dude what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> probably had a cold randy another uh, prominent cover of it apparently jeff buckley does a cover of it and um prophets of rage they've been doing it and they'll bring out dave grohl to play it with them so that's probably boring as fuck but whatever um dave grohl plays with everybody <laughs> i'm friends with paul mccartney you know that I play with him all the time. <laughs> We're best friends. We're best bros. <laughs> he was on the Beatles. <laughs> Lindsey Buckingham is my neighbor. So who's your neighbor? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Rock and roll. Um, all right. That brings us to encore number two. Ed is out there. He's thanking the crowd. He says it's one of those nights where they could use the energy and the crowd really brought it tonight. And that's really yeah. a lot of this is what you have been saying all along. Uh, he thanks Ben Harper and the relentless seven for opening. And he thanks the geniuses of our REM. And then he wants to do experimental filming on the next song, which I've, I YouTubed and it was, it was weird. It was just like, so it's a guy, um, a guy, I think, I think his name was Kevin, if I remember correctly. Um, came out and they recorded it on a MacBook Pro or a MacBook. Or yeah, he's just holding it up to his head. Oh, he's just he's just holding up a, a MacBook. Yeah. That's what it was because yeah, it, so it was just like Eddie the whole time, and it was in slow motion. Yeah, it was it was pretty weird. But you can check it out on YouTube. If if nothing else, the quality of the song is awesome. I yeah. thought maybe the whole point of it was to like splice that footage into like a music video or something. I, but that's not what yeah. happened, right? It's just right. Okay. All right. If they were to do a music video for the song, it, it's unthought known, by the way. Um, if they were to do a music video for the song, it would the the sky would just have to be blanketed with gems and rhinestones <laughs> the whole time. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's such a beautiful, beautiful song. Yeah, I always yeah. had this thought about it, but it became very obvious listening to this show. Was that uh, I was never uh, the biggest fan of it on the album. I would listen to it, but I, it wasn't my go-to. Might be in my top five favorite live. Pearl Jam songs, yeah. though. It, it is grows on you. Oh, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely grows on you. Yeah. Um, it's my fiance's favorite song. So, yeah, it's, yeah un- unbelievably great. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's, uh, we're going to change the tone a little bit because um, this is really where we get into the heavy part of the set and really what makes this show special and what this makes show so memorable and emotional. Uh, they go into black. Now, 
I'm not sure if I'm right on this, but it feels like during the intro you hear some hesitation within the performance. Like they're almost they're really nervous in playing it. They're, they they know that this is a special moment. Did did, did you feel that? Yeah. So um, I, I don't know. I don't know how much um, all of this stuff connected and how much the band themselves knew what was going to happen. Um, but before the show, um, and again, this kind of goes back to what I was talking about with like the things that you only get at a Pearl Jam show that you wouldn't get anywhere else. Um, before the show started, when we were all just hanging out um, outside the, the venue waiting to be able to, uh, to line up to get in, um, somebody, there was a group, I don't know if it was like a wish list group or um, or, you know, who, who exactly had put it together, but somebody was going around handing out, um, like flyers, or I guess for lack of a better term, little, little pieces of paper, um, that were saying, you know, when they play black tonight, uh, you know, that's the, this is the, you know, it's the 10 year anniversary. This is the song that we're really going to show our support for the band. So everybody sing, everybody take out your phones um, you know, uh, Randy, again, the, the, the synergy here is great because you, you mentioned the fireflies, uh, um, and, and I they, like you remember the term, <laughs> they want got the podcast terminology down here. <laughs> <laughs> they want, they, you know, so they were actually, you know, it was a concerted effort to make sure that everybody was involved. I actually looked at, looked for it last night. I tried to get a video of it. It didn't come out really well at all. I, I've never seen a show where every single person had their phone out. There was nobody who didn't have a phone or a lighter wow. out at the show. And I don't know if the band knew that was coming and that had something to do with their hesitation or, or whatever, but you definitely knew that Black Tonight was going to be different than, than previous you know, performances. I don't think it was a thing of them being nervous. The whole show is very emotionally charged. You could tell in their playing and you could tell in the mm -hmm. crowd, yeah. and they know that. I think this was more emotional playing. I don't think it was nerves. I think it was more they were just... Yeah, they're starting it off, and they're not dragging it, but they're just putting everything they have into it. Yeah, yeah nervous. Nervous probably isn't the right term, but you know, like the like the butterflies in your stomach that, 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 that amped up. Yeah. Yes, I, I, they're putting it all out there is is what's going on. Yeah, right, right, right. And you know what? It it it, it just brings to what made this performance of Black so absolutely special. It could be like, one of the best black performances yeah. ever, ever. Which is, is, yeah. is saying a lot because there's so many times that you can go back to the song and say, well, they played it then and it blew, blew people away. But yeah. but you look at the audience participation on this one, you look at the time, you look at the place, you look oh at this, you look at that. Uh, it's got a lot of things going for it. Yeah, let's, let's play towards the end of the song. Eddie starts to come up with some lyrics. I don't know if they're off the top of his head or if he wrote them down earlier, but the crowd is just, like you said, they have the fireflies and they have the lighters. And uh, he, here he's he's bringing up some lyrics where the we belong together part would come in. So let's let's listen and really take in what what they're doing here. Yeah. 
was he crying during this? Was he like how emotional I, was I, it? I couldn't I couldn't tell if he was crying honestly, um, but I can tell you <laughs> everybody around us, myself included, definitely was. Mm-hmm. It was uh, yeah, it was a, a tough thing, but um, again, that that support of the of the crowd. Um, you know, way back in the day, I don't know if anybody even uses the term jamily anymore for, for the yeah, pro jam. But you def, but you definitely felt that. You know, that was you know that was old school, and you, you felt that that connection. Um, that I don't know if it's still around uh, in quite the same way as it was back back in the beginning. But um, I mean, we really felt like we were there for the band, which was sort of what we were trying to do, I think. Yeah. Um, and you know, for each other, uh, and I mean, uh, this was a, a general admission show. Um, I mean, uh, the way I described the, the stadium before, like you couldn't have assigned seats at this place. You'd have to, you know, revamp the entire stadium. So, at the, from the, it was like taking the seats out of MSG or something even larger than that, and just letting people go, you know, sit wherever they want and whatever. And but there was never a moment where. I, and I was all the way up against the rail, so I would, you know, if there was a, a push or a crush, I definitely would have felt it. Um, and there was nothing like that in the entire night. And I think it was because we knew, you know, what we, you know, what we were being a part of. Um, yeah, it was just, it was a really emotional, really. Uh, I felt feel like everybody felt really bonded to each other at this at this point. This is what sets this apart. This is why, and this is why we do this. This is what sets us apart from being a hobby mm-hmm. to being a family member or like feeling like this is part of you, right. you know, uh, yeah. baseball is a hobby. Uh, you know, things are hobbies to people. Um, this is, and this is why, you know, we've gotten into this. We've realized we have such a strong connection with the band. We have such a strong connection with its fans because I don't live next door to Pearl Jam fans. You don't <laughs> see them often. So when you go to these shows and you feel like you can start a conversation by saying, hey, what do you think they're going to open and close with? Right. That's like you're already building a bond with somebody. And even if you never get their name and you never see them again, you feel connected and you feel so – and, you know – everybody's heart is in the same place. Yeah. You have so much in common and you have opinions and you've probably both seen a bunch of shows and you both like different things and who knows, maybe you could even convince somebody what you think or they can convince you. And, and it's, it's so much fun. After they finish up on black, um, Ed is getting emotional speaking. I want to play a little part in this cause he thanks the, the crowd for helping out. And the crowd goes back into the, do, 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 and it's, I mean, it's goosebumps. It, it's chilling that they do this. So let, let's play that as much as we can. We're not going to play the whole speech, but let's, let's just hear the crowd and Eddie kind of reacting. Uh, after seeing something that uh, beautiful, uh, what you just laid out before us there, um, it's, it's, uh, and thank you for that. Uh, thank you. 
Thank you. So you, uh, we get to experience this now, and uh, and it. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to explain to people what it must feel like to be up here and be on the receiving end of that. And, uh, and, and then we were 10... Uh, Let me, let me try to do this. Um, so 10 years ago in Denmark uh, today, uh, it was 10 years ago today, it was a, a completely different experience and it was the, um, it, it continues to be the hardest day uh, in our lives and, and uh, everyone who was there agrees. And um, it's not like we're thinking about it anymore today because it's really something we've thought about every day and um, we just want to but we bring it up today uh, and we ask that the families and the friends of, the, of those who lost loved ones that day uh, allow us to, to send our love to them and our support and our thoughts and and we're very very extremely extremely grateful for the families that we've gotten to know through this experience and and somehow learn to um get through it together and and somehow um, um even even learn things about ourselves and, and about the appreciation that we now have for life that maybe we didn't quite understand completely before so this is to the families. Um, we thank you and we send our love from the band and the crew. And uh, Stone, Stone suggests, and I think it's appropriate that maybe we just have a, uh, a moment of silence in their honor. And we thank you for that. So, I mean, yeah, it, it was, that, that was a, definitely an interesting thing to be a part of. And it, it was rough because um, it, there was, we were, it felt like everybody was trying to find a balance of, um, you know, we wanted to be supportive of the band, but Eddie was trying to get through this speech and then everybody starts singing again. Uh, and it kind of felt like we were going to put him over the edge. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. not that that would have, not that, you know, there's anything wrong with, you know, crying in public or anything along those lines, but, uh, he's a proud, he's a proud human being. Right. You know, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, he, he was trying to, you know, say something to us. Um, and we were like, we were the group was so the, the group of when I say the group I mean the group of fans was so intent on being supportive. Um, yeah, it, it was. You weren't done yet, right? Yeah, exactly. There's so much more love to give. I saw that as almost like a pat on the back. You know, like you could do it mm -hmm. type thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. Of yeah. course, we're we're with you 100. percent We love you. 
he talks a little bit more about the experience of seeing all that happen that day. We don't, it's just, it's so depressing. We just don't have to get into that that much because we, we, we know the story and we know how much it's touched people and everything is emotional here. And, um, the moment of silence here and, um, they go from the moment of silence into this. And if you just want to start bawling like a baby, um, you have free reign. I keep holding on Will the light shine through Under this broken room It's only red I feel I've been wishing out the days Oh, come back intro into that song and placement for the song this this wasn't even in the set originally you couldn't get more of a powerful song no the song itself speaks for itself as you know what it is and I, I mean there's really not much you can say about it here it's just you know again everybody in the crowd was singing along and trying to put out those vibes for the band to show that we were there supporting them it was it was really something and randy you know how i like my encore twos and normally something like black and come back back to back like that Mm -hmm. wouldn't be my favorite thing but here it is completely appropriate two of the best performances of the entire night back to back yeah Uh, incredible we're we're gonna do a show next week with another really emotional comeback and i'm gonna talk about that and i don't know how you can play this song you can't just say okay we're gonna do come back you know you have to attribute it to something and to do it like this was it's placed there for a very specific reason. It's done for a specific reason, and it's it's perfect. So then, alive and led better with with Little Wing, and 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 that's that's your show. Yeah. So re- real quick, um, I, I did just want to talk about those real fast. Um, alive, uh, the version of Alive after Comeback, man, that the, those two back to back. Alive to me, on the album, is sort of like, oh, I'm still alive why am I still alive? Yeah. And then it kind of morphed over the years into, uh, we're still alive. Like a positive screw you, you know, everybody else, uh, you know, we're still doing what we're doing and we're, you know, we're still alive. And then this night was some sort of hybrid of the two where we've made it, we're going to continue on. But at the same time, we recognize that we're still alive and these other people aren't. And Mm -hmm. it's just, man, oh man, uh, 
that was that after was, something like this in this last encore. This was probably like the best alive you've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. I I I think it, I think it could have been. Yeah, wow. for sure. It ha- um, has to be. Has to be. Yeah. If if it had gone just from that into Ledbetter, it would have been a very. It would have been an ending to the show that I feel like I would have left the stadium almost confused. <laughs> uh, on once on one hand, seeing just one of the best shows. Pearl Jam shows, you know, that I've ever been to, you know, you've had these two relative, you know, Alive is definitely an upbeat tempo song, but the ending of the encore was four songs that are not necessarily the most positive, uplifting songs. They're no, they're no Johnny Guitar, right? (laughs) You know what I mean? There was no, well, there was no Rockin' or Baba during In Between. Right, exactly right, exactly. So um, the thing that helped me leave the show on this absolute high note, was something that I'm going to send a picture to you guys. I'm going to put it on your Facebook page. Okay. Um, a member of the band, a member, not a member of the band, but a member of the band's crew, this woman who I, I don't know who she was, honestly, but she came out, apparently, Pearl Jam has a rat, a hand puppet. Does it eat? Does it sleep? It does. <laughs> no, it does not. It does not. It's, it's not a real rat. It's a, it's a, it's a puppet. His name, his name is RJ. <laughs> And at every show, they bring the they bring RJ out to pose with a group that's uh, that's in the front row, and they take a picture of it, and they have a picture of RJ with a group of fans at every show that they've ever done. And me and the group of friends that I made uh, were the group that posed with RJ oh, wow. <laughs> at this show. That's so cool. I wonder why they don't put that on their Instagram or on their Facebook. They they Instagram their set lists and all that stuff. That's Unless this woman was just completely screwing with me, which is distinctly possible because I have no idea who she was. But, uh, but she came out and, um, again, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show was because of the people that I met at this show. I met incredible people, um, Pamela and uh, James, um, Lorraine and Matt are the ones that I've kind of stayed in contact with. There was another couple who unfortunately I lost their contact information after the show, so I never uh, spoke to them again. But it's a it's a really, really cool shot of our little group that we had been with that whole night uh, and, and RJ. <laughs> and you have uh, the picture. Right? I, I have the picture. I'll, I'll put it on your guys' Facebook page. Oh, um, that's awesome. Yeah. I wanted to save that for you guys. <laughs> to, yeah, I didn't let you guys know it was coming, but yeah. If any of the listeners out there know anything about the RJ pictures, who this woman might be, yeah. uh, let us know on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, or email us. Cause now I'm really interested. Maybe we can figure out, we can create like the RJ club. Yeah, like a, uh, and we can make like a big mosaic picture or something. Of something that. like, yeah. That experience kind of took this weight of the last four songs of the of the show off of our shoulders a little bit and mm-hmm. let us sort of, you know, sort of breathe um, uh, in a way that I think we hadn't since uh, since before before they started to play black. If you're out there and uh, you've gotten an RJ picture. Email us, let us know, post on our Facebook, something like we, we want to know more about RJ and uh, dig into it. Let's get into some cross-offs for tonight. Um, Rearview Mirror was slated to end the first encore, but replaced by Kick Out the Jams, which is originally supposed to be in the second encore. Mm-hmm. A lot of moving around in the second encore here because of the tribute. Um, Once was supposed to be in there, uh, replaced by Comeback. Footsteps was supposed to be in there that was crossed off, which I think still could have worked mm-hmm. probably before Black. 
Um, then we can't figure out what's in parentheses. It might be the end. It might be something else. Yes. I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm positive it's not the end, just because of the end's placement uh, on top of the page. I don't think they would have written it that way. So I think we could cross that one off too. But uh, Steve, I thought you had a uh, yeah. What, what did, theory on around the bend? Maybe? Oh, around the around the bend. It could have been. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Very strange. Yeah. And then uh, rock and roll star, which would have been weird. Yeah. That would have been the Baba. Uh, you know, rock and spot, which that would have been a little strange to have that there. I think it, I think everything was in its place. I think they made the right changes. Yeah. I think they did the right thing. Absolutely. So, uh, all right, guys. Out of how many stickmen would you give this show? We'll start with you, Steve. Um, so we do it out of ten, right? Yeah. Um, if I were to rate the entire experience, like I said, it's got to be a nine and a half. The the show itself, if if you take the show just in a vacuum, it's probably like an eight and a half. Um, but when you put everything together, I, again, especially the, the the people that I met and the time being in Berlin, which is now my absolute favorite city in the world, this has got to be nine and a half. I know I know Matt is opposed to giving things ten uh, out of ten, <laughs> um, but uh, and I this is. If I was going to give anything a ten, this this would probably be it. Okay, Matt, you're you're not giving this a ten, obviously. No, this is uh, eight and a half. Don't even have to think about it. I don't even have anything to explain about it. It is okay. one that I wish I had been to. I love it. I love everything about it. Even things I don't like about it, I love. So eight and a half. I'm a, I'm giving it an eight. Um, I love it. It's so emotional, and I think I've decided that eight and a half was going to be the plateau for shows that I've never been to, mm-hmm. to just to make it interesting. And I'll, there'll be a lots of eights and lots of eights and eight and a half and lots of sevens and things like that. But yeah, I, I mean, if I wasn't doing, it would be in the nine territory. If I wasn't trying to judge stuff based off of that, this is one for the ages. You're not going to get that kind of emotion again. And unless in two years, they're doing another show on the state. Right. So, all right, you uh, you have a story from your friend Pamela that you mentioned before. So I, I spoke to um, uh, Pamela and James. Unfortunately, Lorraine uh, did not get back to me, so uh, hopefully she's still out there doing well. I didn't hear back from her, but um, hopefully she's still doing great. Uh, but I, <laughs> I did speak to Pamela and to James, and they both brought up uh, something that I had totally forgotten about, um, which was uh, – the, the, the trip to Berlin was, uh, let's just say, not cheap, even though I was working uh, at the time. Uh, so between the tickets, of course, I, I bought uh, 10 club tickets, so I had to pay for two tickets, even though I only used one. I tried to sell the other one and, and, and couldn't do it. So all of that stuff that made the trip very expensive, and I decided, no, I'm not going to buy any sort of merch or anything. Would it be responsible and <laughs> that responsible is already out the window, but I'm going to try to, you try to rein it in a little bit. I'm not going to buy any merch. And then one thing we have not talked about somehow, I don't know how we skipped this, but we did not talk about the poster for this show. Oh, I was just, I was going to um, mention it before. It's an elephant. It's, it's, I, I don't know exactly what it has to do with Berlin or, <laughs> uh, or the show specifically, but the poster is sometimes I have no idea what the hell their posters are supposed to do I, with what the hell they're doing. Sometimes I mean, it doesn't at all. You would think Berlin, you would have a bear or I, I don't know, but it was the elephant, the half, the half elephant face and whatever, whatever they decided to do it, it was 
beautiful. So I was like, I, I have to have that poster. It's it's the long, it's the lengthy it's, it's one. A long, yeah. You can't find those in in Michaels, right? If you're cheap, you no, know, you've got no, you've got to have it professionally done. That's why it's mine's still rolled up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. so I right after Ben Harper was done, I went, <laughs> I went to get online, and I was gonna get I was gonna get a poster and Matt, uh, who I just mentioned having met Lorraine's friend. Forgive me, I haven't talked to Lorraine in a long time. I, think they were might have been fiancés possibly married now but i could be completely wrong about that so i apologize if i'm screwing that up uh but he was like you know he didn't want to lose the spot in the front so he goes i'm going to give you money can you get me a t-shirt i said absolutely no problem so i went and got online and apparently everybody had the same idea as i did the line was so long and apparently matt had expressed some concern to the rest of the group that I had just taken his $35 and, <laughs> and hightailed, it, hightailed it out of there. That is hilarious. <laughs> Which, oh man, that's funny. Yeah. So there, so there was like some conversation, I guess, like, should, like, should he come look for me or, <laughs> or what? Uh, but um, I know I, I got the, uh, I got the poster. I got Matt his t-shirt and then uh, made it back in time for, for the first song, but just made it back in time for, uh, for long road. It was, I, I cut it pretty close if I remember correctly. So it was definitely a good time and something that I'd forgotten about. Um, and it's, it's cool. Cause I kept, like I said, I kept in touch with at least four of the six of those people, you know, even after the show, even after the show was done. So yeah, very cool stuff. Real quick, actually, um, uh, Pamela, I, I promised her I'd, I'd plug her show. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, please. Uh, she, uh, is on the, she's on the radio, uh, in Ireland. Um, uh, it's on 9 PM Ireland time. Uh, I believe it's called, I believe it's Flirt FM uh, uh, is the, the, the call uh, letters there. Um, the name of her show is actually Bad Radio for uh, you Eddie Vedder fans. Yep. Um, and uh, it's 9 p.m. Uh, Ireland time. So it's like, I don't even know what time it is here. It's in the middle of the afternoon. I actually, I actually used to listen to her radio show quite a bit when I worked from home. Uh, so uh, uh, it's definitely cool to check it out. She plays a lot of great music, so. Shout yeah, out. You can, you can, you can listen, yeah, definitely yeah. listen to it on, online. It's, it's, uh, it's good stuff. Cool. Here's a story we mentioned Warren before, and we have another story from Warren uh, about this show. So he's kind of on the European tour circuit, and it's, it's a bit, it's, it, there's two, two stories here. So, uh, he loved the moment of silence. He thought it was intense and the crowd were able to pull it off as usual pretty boisterous Berlin atmosphere. Eddie talking about how, although it was the 10 year anniversary, they weren't thinking about it more because they thought about it every day. Uh, he was in tears, held it together right before playing comeback. That was like nothing I've ever experienced in the 33 shows I've been to. The crowd was tough up front. So we sat over to the side. It's all GA and a special venue in the woods. Really beautiful, glorious afternoon as I can recall, and Mike came out in sunglasses. So that's story one from him. So story two, the night before, he uh, he done something special. And we've seen this on Pearl Jam shows before and talked about this on our show. Yes, we did. I was going to get engaged to my wife at the show, but I decided to do it the night before because then it would have its own moment and add happiness for the show. The night I first went to my future wife's house in 2007, as a friend, she put on the Avocado album. 
and I had been into PJ since 92 and found out she had been too. And right there, like, that's... that's yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Puts on avocado. Oh, man. Should have married her right there. <laughs> he said, I knew then it was love. So by the time of Berlin, we'd been together since December 2007, had a four-month-old, and we had done a few shows together. Shepherd's Bush, Rotterdam, Manchester, London, D- Dublin, and Belfast. Up to this show, we had met her German mother and sister in Berlin the night before the show. They knew I was going to propose, and I took the ring through customs, which, uh, how do you hide that? His wife was highly suspicious. There's some places you could hide it, but I hear it's very uncomfortable. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, Warren. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, His wife was highly suspicious of what he was actually up to, and... They looked after our four-year-old, four-month-old daughter while I proposed by a lake in the woods. She cried for joy, as I did. I did ask for a shout-out as well in advance through the forum, but unlike my recent fatal request, there was no luck. Uh, so we planned around a trip, which was about the show. I'd never been to Germany before that time. That was a, a really nice story. Pearl Jam engagements are always—they're so teary-eyed and so beautiful. Almost as beautiful as this public service announcement, as Eddie would say, this is a public service announcement. Uh, Randy, do you want me to cue the music? Live on Four Legs is happy to present a weekly podcast dedicated to the Pearl Jam Live experience. While we try to get ourselves to as many shows as possible, we have only attended a small fraction compared to the entire live history. That's why we need your help. We want to get to know who you are. If there's a live show that you've attended that you'd like to see us cover in our program, please send us an email at liveonfourlegs, that's the number four, liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com. We want to know your entire live experience. Did you once miss a flight? Get lucky in the 10 Club Lottery? Catch a white whale? Your stories will help us mold this into the best podcast it could possibly be. You're already getting to know who we are. Now it's time for us to know who you are. So that about covers our show today. Uh, reminder, our merch store is going to be open until October 15th, and we'll we'll pepper Facebook with it, and we'll do some videos and, and all that. Uh, do you want to give them that address one more time? Absolutely. L-O-4-L-October.itemorder.com. We ship domestically, internationally, have three different designs for shirts a severed hand long sleeve and hoodie a state of love and trust illinois shirt that comes in cubs colors as well as dark gray and purple and a live on four legs ringer tee and ladies v-neck so lots of stuff there if you're into the podcast this is the first merchandise so uh hopefully we get popular a year from now and and if you wear these to shows people are like when they put this out, oh, I'm the first person to buy this. <laughs> you know, I got one of the first runs. <laughs> I got it for free before they even did a show. <laughs> so, Steve, yeah. thank you for for doing this. This is not the last time, but it is the first, and I think I, I hope it's not the last. Hopefully, I pulled my weight. I really appreciate. It's uh, not the last time this month. <laughs> we have we have plans. <laughs> I really appreciate you guys, you guys having me on. Uh, yeah, this is uh, yeah. this is a busy month. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, I, I, set, I spend about 85 to 90% of my time talking to uh, a three-and-a-half-year-old and, uh, <laughs> three and, and a ten-month-old, so being able to talk to people uh, 
that can actually talk back about Pearl Jam is, is <laughs> a lot of fun. So hopefully you guys will have me back again. I really appreciate it, man. This is awesome. By the way, Steve, how is my nephew and my niece? They're doing exceptionally well. All right. Well, I gotta, I'll make a trip up soon to see him. Next episode uh, is going to be next week, obviously. And it's going to be on Memphis 2014, which um, is not the most memorable show but like we did the show today it's it's memorable to steve it has meaning to steve this one has meaning to me i feel like because it's the four or five year anniversary of it i feel like it's it's a good time to tell the story so we're gonna do that and the next time we're gonna see steve it'll be for something spooky (laughs) (laughs) and then the next one tease for the future <laughs> and then after we do something spooky we'll do we'll have you back on the week after we'll do something political sounds awesome so uh well, the political right now is a little spooky so <laughs> <laughs> you're telling me <laughs> this is the end but not for much longer and uh we'll be back next week i'll miss you already and i miss you all day and i hope you enjoy this episode for Randy Sobel, Matt Helbig, and Stephen Maytan, the fifth and sixth leg, we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.